Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Paul writes to them, you're not ignorant about the gifts, you're ignorant about operating the gifts. Now, what about us today as a church worldwide? Most churches don't even understand the gifts. And second, there is still abuse today in the gifts, but again, probably more lack on our part of understanding these gifts and not only understanding them, but practicing. Many of these gifts do not really operate within the church service. Many of them operate outside the church service. For years, Christians have asked Where's the power in today's church that the early church had? It's kind of a loaded question, but the simple answer is that to have God's power evident in the life of the church, you have to follow the model the early church set up. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the use and misuse of spiritual gifts in the Corinthian church. He'll show you how the Apostle Paul dealt with the problems that had cropped up, while at the same time encouraging them to use the gifts God had given them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as he begins his message, Spiritual Gifts. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your Bibles, if you will. We're in some very, very interesting passages of Scripture. To some of you, it's new, maybe even here, and that's good. So we begin with spiritual gifts. And as you know, we believe that everything that God has for us in His Word is still valid today. So we begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me give you a quick background. Remember now... Paul is writing about many things in the church, he had been there for a long while, that the word got back to him were not exactly right. And all kinds of things, we heard about communion, they had it all messed up. So this is kind of a corrective letter, but it shows some neat things. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, When you looked at the Corinthian church, we know from early on, they really didn't lack in any gifts, any of these, specifically these nine spiritual gifts here. There's many more. We'll share that with you in a moment. But what was good in the church at Corinth was the believers had these gifts. Not only did they have the gifts, that they were practicing the gifts. The bad thing is they were unbalanced in the gifts and they were actually abusing the gifts. Lots of things, wrong motives, false spirituality. I have a better gift than you have. Competitive spirit in the services. And so a lot of good, but a lot of things that need to be corrected. 
And so the Corinthians misunderstood the purpose of the Holy Spirit through these gifts. And Paul writes to them, you're not ignorant about the gifts, you're ignorant about operating the gifts. Now, what about us today as a church, worldwide? Most churches don't even understand the gifts. And second, there is still abuse today in the gifts, but again, probably more lack on our part of understanding these gifts and not only understanding them, but practicing. Many of these gifts do not really operate within the church service. Many of them operate outside the church service. Sometimes they will certainly operate in home groups, smaller groups or whatever. But as we go through this now, watch what happens. Now, the gift, notice, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to every single believer. Not gifts, the gift. And when you're commanded to be filled with the Spirit under his influence, after you become. Remember, Peter on the day of Pentecost says, repent, believe, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So every Christian has the gift of the Holy Spirit. You didn't earn it. When you were saved, God put the Holy Spirit in you. So gift is singular because it is the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, besides that, the Holy Spirit then himself, notice, look at your first verse, he gives gifts, plural. He gives gifts to believers who have already him, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they're given by God, realistically, for the church to build up the church. We'll see that as we go through over and over and over again. So here's the first thing I want you to write. I think it's very clear, but you need to make a differential of it. There is a difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, God's graced you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. Once you have that Holy Spirit, there's many kind of gifts that the Holy Spirit then gives to believers. Now, verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Now, unlike paganism, where Satan controls people, the Holy Spirit empowers people. He doesn't overpower you. He doesn't force you into these gifts. In fact, one of the things we'll see is we are to desire the gifts. It's something that we want individually. We're to pray for the best gifts. So the Holy Spirit is very different than paganism where Satan controls people and he overtakes people so much that they become possessed of the enemy. The Holy Spirit is a dove-like ministry. In other words, he comes to strengthen us and use us rather than control us. Now look at verse 3. Therefore I tell you, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So the primary evidence, what Paul is bringing about at the beginning, the primary evidence of a person having the Holy Spirit is their love and the submission to Jesus. All of the manifestations, that's what all this chapter is about, the manifestations, the gifts of the Spirit, all of these will always harmonize with Jesus. The focus of the gifts is really about Jesus. Jesus himself, you remember when he was explaining to the disciples how the Holy Spirit would come, remember he said this, 
When he comes, the Holy Spirit will testify of me, and he will glorify me. So the spiritual gifts that we're going to read about here are given to each person by the Holy Spirit. These special abilities are to be used again to the body. Again, the importance of a church to the body of Christ and to make sure that we uplift Jesus. And that was one of the problems. The Corinthians were using the gifts, but they were promoting themselves instead of the unity of the gifts. Now, I'm going to give you some definitions as we go through these nine. Please don't try to write these definitions. So just kind of pay attention to me. In the body... We have lots of operations of gifts. Remember, the church body is like your body. You have lots of things operating together, and they have to operate together to function right. And sometimes you know what that means. As we get a little older, somehow the synapses from down here don't get out to here, and they don't get out to here, and you already know what I'm talking about. Okay. In the body, they need to function together. So there's amazing unity and diversity. There's all kinds of gifts, but they have one function, Jesus. So here we are. I'm just giving you three categories of gifts. There's many more than these. This is not like a final list as you go through. As we get to each one, and I'll kind of list them under there. First of all, Romans 12. These are motivational gifts. Let me list those gifts for you. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy. Everyone has at least one of those gifts God gives to us. They're motivational gifts. They motivate us to serve the body of Christ. The second list are the manifestation gifts. That's what we find here in 1 Corinthians 12. These are nine gifts. They're supernatural manifestations. Now, the Romans gifts are supernatural. They come from God. They're gifted to you, but it's practical kind of things that you usually work yourself out more. I won't list these tonight because we'll go through these in a moment. And then we have, in Ephesians 4, a four ministry gifts. Some people would call it five ministry gifts. And these are actually people gifted to the body of Christ. Apostle, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, teachers, or pastor teachers. So those are individuals. Now remember, this is not an exhaustive list. There's all kinds of gifts, and that's the way the body functions. God uses all of us, when we become believers, with gifts, and we use them to function and minister to other people. Now, look at verse 4. There are different kind of gifts, just as we told you about unity and diversity. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Many gifts. People have different gifts. Some people have more than one gift. In fact, many people have more than one gift. One gift, by the way, is not superior to another. Our gifts complement each other. It's not a competition. All spiritual gifts, they come from the Holy Spirit. They're gifts. How could we brag about them? But the Corinthians were, and sometimes we could. And so, really, they're called grace gifts. So there can't be any envy. There can't be pride. There can't be jealousy. Now, these I do want you to copy. So let's just write these down quickly, and then we'll get through Hopefully, this teaching, five keys to these divine gifts. These are not natural gifts. Well, I'm a painter. Yeah, good, wonderful. And we have people that are artists and can do all that. That's great. This is the divine gifts we're talking about. They're valid for today. 
we believe these gifts operate today. They are valuable and vital. We lack if we don't use these, and you'll see this very clearly as we teach. They're very diverse, just like the body of Christ is, just like our world is. Some of us times we see these nature programs and they'll show us a butterfly or a bird or something. They'll say, there's 5,748 species of this. And we're going, what in the world? It's just amazing. So the body is kind of like that. Number four, they function only out of unity. That's why Paul's writing this. They don't function with people pridefully saying, well, my gifts are better than yours. I have the vocal ones. You're just a quiet person in the corner. We can be very prideful. And number five, In between chapter 12 and chapter 14 is an interesting chapter, chapter 13. These gifts are useless. By the way, any of our gifts are useless without love. So the greatest expression is these gifts, any of our gifts, any of our serving, any of our speaking must operate out of love. Now, verse 5. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation is given for the common good. So there we go again. The purpose of the gifts is for the common good, for the whole body of Christ, for the local church, for the local small group. Dell's gifts are given that way. The New Living Translation in that verse says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. We're family. That's the way it works. In other words, God does not give these gifts to an individual for their benefit. He gives these gifts for the church family, sometimes even unbelievers who need a touch or a word of wisdom. Only one gift is for personal benefit. So let me explain to that. All these gifts are really for public use as far as me giving a manifestation gift to an individual, a word to them, an encouragement to them. Some of them, a few of them, can be operated in a small group in a believer setting, but they're all basically for the body. There's only really one gift, and it differentiates from the gift that I'll talk about, the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues that we're going to see here and the interpretation of tongues is in a big setting. When Paul gets to chapter 14, he'll start out and he'll say, everybody should pray to have the gift of prophecy, to speak a word of encouragement, build up, exhort. But then he says, I wish, second verse is a strange verse, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now what he means by that is not in church service, but he means the private prayer language. So don't get confused with that. There's so much confusion even when you mention tongues. I hate to even mention it, but it's here, so we're going to go through it. It's okay. You can understand it. It's not weird. It's an amazing gift. But again, it's not the public gift we're talking about. So you don't need to write this, but I hope you get this in your mind. Why did God give us these gifts? Here it is. The mangle is very simple. It's very clear. It's to spiritually profit others. It isn't about you. It isn't about you. It's to benefit other people. And by the way, how many of you know when you give and you bless other people, how many of you know that you're more blessed than they are? Well, how do I know that's spiritually true? What does the Bible say? It's more blessed to give than it is received. Now, the problem is, does that go against your nature? No, none of you. I'm sure it doesn't go against your nature. It goes against all our nature, doesn't it? Because we're selfish people. 
So that was the problem in Corinth. So Paul is going to explain to us how this goes. Now, realistically, he doesn't define all of these. So we have to look through Scripture and kind of help to define ourselves, and it's not that difficult. We're going to classify them. Some people don't classify them like that. I think it just helps a little bit, all right? So we're going to go through the purpose of these gifts, again, are to build one another up. And each of them, the Holy Spirit gives them as he wills. So every single Christian can have one or more of these nine gifts as the Holy Spirit wills. And we're asked to pray for them. If I need that, I can do it. It's different than the gifts we see in Romans 12 which are kind of resident gifts. You're a person of mercy. You're a person that's a giver. You just, we're all to be givers, but some people, they just give, 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 give. And typically that doesn't change in your life. That's a gift that God has given you. It's kind of resident with you. These gifts come and go. We'll see that as we move through. So all of us can have these gifts. So Here's kind of the three lists that I'll give you. Here's the first list. You could write this down. The first three we would categorize as discerning gifts. It's the power to know. And it's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. So we begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We just classify these. Man has done this. Discerning gifts, the power to know. The Spirit gives us that ability. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Now, here comes the definition. Don't copy, please. Word of wisdom. Remember, a word of wisdom. It's a supernatural utterance at a given moment through the Spirit, supernaturally disclosing the mind, purpose, in the way of God as applied to a specific situation. It is not common sense wisdom. It is not even wisdom that comes from a Bible study. Where when you get done, you go, wow, that, I get it now. I really get it. We know the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. This is supernatural. There's a situation. I think you'll be able to see it very clearly. A word comes just at the right time. There's a problem. The word comes. It's not something you're thinking about. I can't wait till I get to that meeting. I'm going to give them a word of wisdom. It's something that comes from the spirit. And after you give it, you go, whoa, I've been able to use that gift for numbers of time. And afterward, you don't say anything. You just go, wow, that's amazing. You go home and you go, where did that come from? That was God. And the danger when that happens, when a person receives it and it goes, ah, that's it. What's the danger for the person giving it? Well, I need a word of wisdom. I'm open from 9 to 10 on Tuesdays. Can you see the danger? It's useful in preaching, teaching, and counseling. But it's useful one-on-one as we minister. Now, Acts chapter 6, and I'm going to go through some of these quick. Do you remember in Acts chapter 6, there was a problem in the church? The Greek and the Jewish widows were having trouble, and there was all kind of disruption. And the apostles got together, and they said, look, we've got to kind of solve this thing. And so they said, pick out among you seven men, full of wisdom, full of spirit, so we can get back to doing what we're supposed to do, pray and study to teach the word of God. When that word came forth, that word of wisdom came forth, they didn't turn to the Bible and go, well, let me see, let's see how Psalms 12 applies here. That was a word that came from God. Notice, this proposal pleased what? The whole group. I've been rarely in a place where everybody agrees with what you just said. I mean, come on. So this proposal pleased the whole group. What happened as a result of that? 
So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. See, it's doing what? Expanding the body. It's expanding the body of Christ. There was a supernatural word of wisdom that came. It wasn't that disciples get together and say, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? What do you want to say? One of them had that word, came from God, and that solved the issue. So again, remember, the purpose of the gifts is to build up the body and expand the kingdom. It's interesting that we're not told exactly who even said that word, probably for a purpose. Now, what is the word of knowledge? The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation that reveals knowledge about people, circumstances, or biblical truth. It doesn't come again from our natural mind. Uh, you, you didn't Google it and go, I know this person. Let me Google it. Let me get the Facebook now. I'm going to tell all about that. It doesn't come from any of that. It operates obviously with the gift of prophecy and, of course, really wisdom because wisdom is application of the knowledge. Remember one day Jesus said this. Now, turn with you in your Bibles really quick. John chapter 4. You know the situation. And let's watch how Jesus operated with this word of knowledge. Jesus meets this woman at the well. Remember, God said to him that morning in his quiet time, you need to go through Samaria. So he meets a woman at the well. He's never met her. She doesn't know him at all. They enter into this conversation. Look down at verse 16. As they're talking, a Samaritan woman, they're not even supposed to be together. Look what Jesus says in verse 16, John 4. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, really? I didn't know that. Now, see, he didn't look her up on Facebook. You take the word of knowledge out of this situation, and you have no changed life. You have no changed town. But the word of knowledge is going to change everything. Watch what happens. And Jesus says, To her, you are right when you say you have no husband. Now, here's the knowledge. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. Now, where did Jesus get it? That was a word of knowledge. As he looked at her, boom, there it is. And notice what she says at the end of it. What you have just said is, no, you got it wrong. I only had four husbands. No, she says it's what? It's exactly right. And because of that, notice the next word that she uses there. What she say in the next verse? I perceive you're a prophet. You've spoken a word that can't be from Satan or from human knowledge. It's from God. What happens as a result of this? She becomes a believer. Whole town comes out and many people become a believer. The word of knowledge comes. Now, where could God use that? could be used in a small group, could be, see, we have to be aware that that can happen. And so we pray for that. We pray for wisdom. We're not going to stop in a situation and go, you know, I'm going to pray for this now. No, this is stuff that we have to begin practicing ourselves and listening to the Spirit speak to us, okay? In Pastor Mark's teaching today, he reminded you that everything God has in His Word is valid for today. You learned about the differences between the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You found out that the Holy Spirit empowers the Christ follower and won't overpower you. And you were told that the focus of the gifts of the Spirit is Jesus, to bring attention to Him, not to you. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Spiritual Gifts. You'll learn more about the particular gifts and when and where they're supposed to be used. You'll hear more about how God used these gifts in the lives of the apostles and how that applies to you today. Pastor Mark will show you how not to use these gifts using the example of the Corinthian church. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a herd